From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, February 6th. A federal appeals court has suspended nearly 200 drilling permits in northern New Mexico near Chaco Canyon. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis reports. The Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals sided with the Diné activist organization and several environmental groups, suspending nearly 200 permits issued by the U.S. Bureau of Land Management while President Donald Trump was in office. Starting in 2019, the groups filed suit against the permits, arguing the drilling leases were too close to Chaco National Park and that they failed to comply with environmental standards. The Biden administration argued that the drilling leases complied with environmental regulations, and a federal court agreed in 2021. Wednesday's appellate court reversed that ruling. According to Reuters News, the Tenth Circuit said that the BLM failed to consider environmental effects of chemicals used in gas drilling. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. Some politicians in our region are renewing calls to transfer federal lands to state or local hands to build more affordable housing. The Mountain West News Bureau's Will Wacky has more. The federal government owns nearly half the land in the West. In parts of the region where housing supplies are crunched, finding land to build on can be a limiting factor. That's why several officials, mostly Republicans, want to decrease the physical reach of the federal government. Wyoming Representative Harriet Hegeman recently addressed a crowd in Jackson Hole, where just 3% of the land can be developed. I'm not talking about Teton National Park. I'm not talking about Yellowstone National Park. But there are other federal lands within this community that I think people are going to have to start looking at. She means parcels from the Forest Service or Fish and Wildlife or Bureau of Land Management. Nevada's governor and a Utah senator have also advocated for large-scale transfers. But critics say the proposals will actually make the housing situation worse because they often lack strong density and affordability requirements. Plus, they say local governments already have the tools to improve their housing stocks or make transfers on an individual basis. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Will Walkie. Mobile home parks are one of the few remaining affordable housing options across the Mountain West. But many residents in these parks don't own the land under their units. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Hallie Zander reports on how one mobile home park in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, is trying to work around the system to secure housing long term. So you have a one dog, one cat, and a bird, or? Um, <laughs> that I know. Oh my gosh, and then so many more. Oh, got snakes. Felix Jimenez has lived in Three Mile Mobile Home Park for over 30 years, and his family is full of animal lovers. We had this salamander that I captured up in Aspen that I hurt with a little machine that I was working with, and I brought it home. They called her Sally, and she survived for like 10 years after I brought her home. So that, that kind of started our, our thing with animals. He and his wife Lori raised five kids and at least one dog, cat, bird, and a few snakes in this park. And two of their grown children are now living in the neighboring units. So yeah, I own, the, I own this one. You know, and then Vanessa owns that one. And Lori, my wife, actually owns this one and, and Gabriella stays there. But home ownership is complicated in mobile home parks. Jimenez owns his unit at Three Mile, just not the land underneath it. I mean, I could never make the big step up into a house, so it is what it is. I'm here at the park. I've got to live here. 
Until recently, the park was owned by Colorado resident Ben Kruger, who died in 2021. After that, Jimenez and his wife, Lori Bennett, were afraid their housing was in jeopardy. Both of us are getting ready to be retired, and to think of increasing rents on a retired salary, it was like, okay, we're going to get roommates, we're going to sell, you know. And when we thought we'd have to sell, it was like, well, what state do we move to? But when Jimenez met Sidney Shallot, the executive director of the social justice nonprofit Manaus, their options opened up. Manaus and its subsidiary, Roaring Fork Community Development Corporation, have been trying to help mobile home park communities purchase their land. Bennett says Jimenez has been rallying his neighbors to sign on to this effort. He's worked so hard for the past year talking to people and just, you know, pounding on doors. And mobile homes are not truly mobile after a period of time. A lot of people who are priced out of their lots end up having to leave their homes behind. Shallot is excited about the opportunity Manaus has to preserve Three Mile. But in previous years with similar projects, their efforts were unsuccessful. Here's Shallot. None of those projects came to fruition because they, once the parks get listed, it's like a feeding frenzy of bids. And so even if the residents do this miraculous work and get all the financing in order to purchase, they're going to have competition, and the competition comes in millions over. Updates to Colorado's Mobile Home Park Act went into effect in October. Now, residents get 120 days notice when their properties go up for sale before the owner can go into contract with a new buyer. That's up from the 90 days previously required. But even when residents of the Dotsero Mobile Home Park used their time this summer to develop partnerships and secure financing, the seller still denied their offer. Manaus wasn't involved, but they watched that effort from the sidelines. All that work, and I mean significant work, like it was insane, and it still fell through. And so that was just like too heartbreaking. So when it came to Three Mile, Manaus met with the property owners before the mobile home park was listed for sale. Shallot says that was their best shot to avoid displacing 20 homes filled with 90 residents, 31 of which are children. When we learned that detail, we were like, oh yeah, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure they don't have their school system interrupted, that they don't have to move, that the families don't have to scramble to find an extra $1,000 a month for a pad fee that doesn't actually result in much improvement. At first, Shallot had been offered loans that required her team to raise $250,000 from donors by the end of April and pay interest only for the first five years of their mortgage. But last week, given the volatile real estate market, the terms changed. Now they need $500,000 committed by March 3rd, and their interest-only payments are just for two years. That puts a lot of pressure on Shallot's team to double their fundraising efforts in a very short period of time. We're having a hard time sleeping. This is a project that's like near and dear to us, and we... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I've been working, you know, like 12-hour days lately, and my whole team has. The pressure is definitely on in a different way than we were expecting. Shallot says they're still hopeful and have formally asked the current owners to give them more time to fundraise. And if they can pull it off, at least 13 of the park's 20 properties agreed to be a part of the purchase. Manaus doesn't plan to be a long-term landlord, but Shallot says they'll give the residents time to purchase the park back. But the change in mortgage terms gives them a tighter deadline. And other housing advocates are feeling that mounting pressure. 
We had the housing market go crazy as well. That's Don Mulgaris. She's the executive director for the San Luis Valley Housing Coalition. She worked to purchase the Century Mobile Home Park in Alamosa County in southern Colorado. And she knows what it feels like to have a strict window of opportunity. Both of our sellers that we tried to work with held us to the timeline of the Mobile Home Park 2020 Act. But Mulgaris got the state's Mobile Home Park Oversight Program involved to help keep the sellers in compliance with Colorado's new laws. That's because she's seen these deals fall apart in the past. So she warns Three Mile residents of these vulnerabilities. And I will tell them from experience, plan for the worst case scenario, hope for the best case scenario, and be prepared to land somewhere in the middle. If Manaus secures its financing and closes the deal with the Kruger family, that's still just the first step. It could be years before residents take over. But Jimenez and his wife, Bennett, are hopeful. I'm still praying that everything comes together the way they need. And Jimenez says he's willing to put in the time and effort to preserve their little slice of paradise. Development is just happening. It's just everywhere. And it's so nice to have, at least for my kids and myself, to know that there's just forest here still. And that makes the big difference. Getting up, going to work, or resting at night and listening to the water makes it happen. If they're successful, Jimenez and his neighbors will have time to decide what kind of governing structure works best for them, secure loans, and eventually purchase the park back from the Manaus team. Because I'm hoping that maybe residents of other parks will say, okay, we can do this. Hopefully other residents can go, we can do this for our park. I'm Hallie Zander. The Grand County Commission is back in session this week. Here's a preview of their agenda. Commissioners will consider contracting with an independent provider to draft a hazard mitigation plan. They'll also vote on recommending SkyWest Airlines to once again serve as the essential air service provider for Canyonlands Regional Airport. And they'll consider nominating rock imagery sites in the Portal slash Cane Creek area to the National Register of Historic Places. Plus, Grand County Commissioners will approve a few volunteer appointments, including a spot on the Grand County Economic Development Advisory Board. Grand County Commission meetings are held on the first and third Tuesday of every month at 4 p.m. They're streamed online on YouTube. Find them at Grand County, Utah. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, February 6th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.